0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. I'm Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Amanda Radley. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Anita. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm great. I'm digging the summer, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's nice. We're we're having some. I mean, here in the United Kingdom, where people often think we don't have any, we we had two days of sun, so that was... Wow that was fun. Yeah, in a row. <laughs> Do you guys recognize <laughs> it when it comes out? No, everyone immediately gets burnt and then wishes it would rain again. so yeah, we're, <laughs> we're not very good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh yeah. So uh, Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Um, and I wanted to jump right in and, and ask you about you have a new release, right? I think I think it maybe comes out tomorrow. I don't know. It's yeah. called
1: Under Her Influence. It does come out somewhere. It came out um, with Bold strokes books on the 1st of June and it comes out tomorrow wide um, on the 15th of June. So, yeah, Under Her Influence, uh, Under Her Influence. I keep saying that. And Under, under, the, under Her Influencer is, I keep, oh, I, I keep getting the keep Oh, Under Her Influencer. A- Sorry, that was my bad. No, no, that's fine. I honestly, every time I name a book, I end up immediately getting it wrong. It's it's <laughs> like um, the second you name a character, you can no longer type that name. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so
0: can you tell us a little bit about Under Her Influencer?
1: Under Her Influencer. Um, it's uh, it's it's a story about a social media influencer who's um invited to a popular Scottish theme park and resort, um by one of the owners, uh, Cameron. Uh, Now, Cameron's twin sister, Beth, the co-owner, has no idea that this influencer, Gemma Johnson, is coming to the theme park. And she also has no idea what an influencer is. And she has to find out really quickly why this strange young woman is uh, filming herself eating all of the snacks in the park and going on all the rides and, you know, basically sort of having the best time of her life and uh, narrating everything she does. And and Beth obviously thinks this is the strangest thing to be doing, but is assured that it's going to help to uh, bring more more guests to the theme park.
0: Wow, that sounds like a, a fun book. Um...
1: It, it, it I tried to I tried to write something quite fun because um, it was sort of in the middle of COVID when I was writing this and no one could travel. And I thought, what would I like to do now? You know, I'd like to talk about a sort of nice, fun, holiday, summery destination. And, uh, you know, even Scotland, even Scotland can have some, some decent weather, especially like in the height of the season. So I wanted to do something that... Um, that we couldn't do at the time, just to sort of you know if we if we were all still locked down, people could at least read about going places and traveling,
0: yeah, yeah, that's awesome, so is that is that where you're located in Scotland
1: no i'm in I'm in Chester in the uh, United Kingdom, so sort of not too far from Liverpool,
0: okay, great, awesome, um, but the book is set in Scotland,
1: yeah, the book is set in a it's a fictional scottish uh theme park, uh it kind of borrows from um, a few theme parks in the UK and in Europe. Um, it's sort of a, it's more, it's, there's quite a lot of theme parks in Europe that were much older that were around in Victorian times. Um, and they were more pleasure gardens when they started, but obviously as the years went by, they had to grow and they've, you know, they've developed having rides and roller coasters and all the sort of restaurants and things that you associate with a theme park. So, um, Fraser Resort, which is uh, the the resort um, in the book, is basically a sort of an amalgamation of all those kinds of places, so sort of very classic and relaxed in many ways with a boat in lake and things like that, but then also has um, all the sort of bells and whistles that you'd find at somewhere like Disney. Isn't that fun? Like you just create your own world in a novel. Yeah, it's amazing. And I love it. And it's really it's it's irritating because people keep going, where's this Fraser Resort? I want to go and I have to go. I made it up. I'm so sorry. You can't go. You're gonna have to buy lots and lots of the book and then I'll I'll, I'll build it. I promise.
0: Yeah, what's the, the phrase from Field of Dreams? If you build it, they will come.
1: yeah exactly exactly yeah and it's it is fun it is fun to just be able to make it because um i do i i I enjoy theme parks i enjoy the sort of like uh, the fact they take you to other locations and that's something that's always sort of sparked creativity in me when i go to a theme park and they just you know they build venice in the middle of somewhere completely different and you think this is incredible that's that level of theming is amazing so um, I sort of gave back in some ways to all the time that I've ever been inspired at theme parks.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That's great. So uh, I look forward to reading that one. And that's called Under Her Influencer. That came out June 1st with Bold Strokes and comes out with the rest of the world uh, tomorrow, um, June right. 15th. All right. Awesome. So, Amanda, um, when did you actually start writing and What prompted you to really get started in this field?
1: Um, I've written fan fiction for years on and off. Uh Um, And that was sort of where I started enjoying writing. Um, But I stopped for a long while and I picked it up again, I'd say in about 2014, 2015. Um, And basically I had a long train journey and I wanted to fill up the time. I had to get up incredibly early. Um, and I'd fall asleep on the train unless I did something so I thought I'll I'll just do some writing so I started writing again Um, and basically um, I was contacted out of the blue by a publisher um, who asked me if I wanted to uh, to make one of the fan fiction stories that become quite popular into a book Um, so it wasn't anything I really had any intention of doing I hadn't you know I was just Killing some time on a train journey, so uh, yeah, I was incredibly lucky to have that that break. That's so cool. It was really strange, I have to say, because my my wife, um, she's a she's a librarian, uh, adores everything to do with books. Was absolutely yeah, she's a she's an author now, but at the time at the time she wasn't. She would have adored a publisher contacting her out of the blue. Um, and we were on the train back from London. We lived in Hastings at the time, so we were on the train back. I think we've been to the theatre and um and a message from this publisher and i was like ah, look at this scam i was like call her call her and i was just like i'll see and i i must have left it for about a week or something because i was like well i don't want to be an author i'm you know i have a job i you know i do stuff but um you know i run a company i don't have time to be writing books and whatever so it was it was like i look back now and i think why didn't i grab that opportunity with both hands but i suppose i never really thought of what being an author would entail. And I didn't really think it would, I didn't think it would lead anywhere. Um, and now here I am sort of, you know, as a full-time author. So, you know, thank, thank goodness I did, I did get back to Wow. So you
0: no longer are involved in your other career. You're writing yeah. full-time.
1: I write full-time. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's awesome. How, how long did it take you to make that transition from part-time I imagine to full-time?
1: Um, well, let's see. Uh, I published two books um, with my first publisher because um, the thing with fan fiction is there are no rules, and you just write and write and write, and suddenly you realise you've got sort of two hundred thousand words. You know, that's not a book; that's two books. So um, okay. we had to we had to split that, um, and they were published in two thousand sixteen and uh, the very beginning of two thousand seventeen. Um, and I think I made a decision in a. I think probably early March in 2017 that I wanted to, to just give this a try. And I was in a very blessed position because I, I owned my own marketing agency at the time, so I was setting my own hours, um, and I could pretty much make the decision to to sort of spend a bit more time writing when I wanted to. And I started sort of taking it more and more seriously, and it, it took up more of my time. And I found I enjoyed it more. Cause, it used to be that you know I'd wake up in the morning. And I really, I really do enjoy marketing, and I enjoyed that part of my job, and I, I enjoyed speaking to clients and everything. And and then slowly but surely, the the writing became more important to me. I'm a very big believer in taking risks and making sure you do what you love. So I started sort of having a conversation with my wife and saying, you know, I want to I want to explore this, um, but I didn't want to sort of I didn't want to write part time for many many years, and because I'm I'm quite practically minded about it. And I know that if you want to be a full-time author, unless you're going to have a breakout success that sells millions, you're going to need to write quite a number of books. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously working part-time for very long wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked. So um, I sort of made the decision, I think start of 2017 and I released my first self-published book in around, I think about June, 2017. Um, And basically I just went from there. I just, I just, you know, put it all into that and just, just hoped it would work. Wow. That's, that's a real risk. That's awesome. It was a real risk. Obviously um,
0: it's paid off.
1: It did. Yeah. And I mean, I was lucky as well. I mean, I'm very privileged. I have, I had the safety net. Um I ran my own business. I knew I could start up another consultancy firm or, or even get involved with my, I sold my agency. I could have like gotten back involved with that. I had a contact book that I could plunder if I was like, Oh, being an author didn't work. I, could have, <laughs> I knew I was very privileged and knew I could go back. So I think with that in mind, it was it was easier for me. But um, yeah, it was still a very big risk. And, you know, either way, I could have, I could have, you know, come off the rails and, and had to sort of, you know, go back into my into my into my old job. Yeah. Um, but no, I was, I was just very, very lucky. And uh, yeah, I'd learned a lot about the industry. So I, I, I sort of had an idea that I would hopefully be okay. But um, yeah, it was still a gamble. So was it an easy transition for you from one world to the other? Uh, Yeah, I think it was because um, I'd been writing fan fiction and so on. So it was almost as if the sort of hobby I had on the side suddenly became a full-time job. Um, So something that I, I could only do when I had some free time uh sort of on the train journey or weekends or something suddenly become the primary thing that I was working on so I think the transition for me was quite easy um and one of the big things especially well I was gonna say especially about being self-published but actually being an author in general um marketing is really important you have to get your name out there you have to get your book out there um, so for me um at some point when I finished writing the book I knew I'd have to edit it and then i knew i'd have to market it um and i knew that i could i could i couldn't edit it i had to outsource that which just gave me more time to sort of do the marketing side of things um which was again something i knew how to do from my previous experience so i think because i still had a hand in the marketing world even when i was full time writing it was it was an easier transition for me
0: oh, that's great yeah it it seems like it it would naturally be one maybe
1: um, yeah yeah well it's one of those things i think I think more people are aware now that when you're an author, you have to be a marketer as well. Um, But certainly a few years ago, people thought you, you know, you delivered a manuscript to your publishing house um, and then took a two month vacation and hoped that they would sell it for you. Um, And it just does not work like that. There's so much marketing you as an individual author has to do. Um, So I think coming at it from that, from that level of experience was very helpful. I think if I'd come from another job, Mm -hmm. um, I would have struggled a little bit more because you know what I was doing when I wasn't writing a book I could just dip back into my old career but rather than working for someone else I was working for me I was working for my brand instead
0: yeah yeah that's awesome that really is great um that's nice for you so how many books do you have I was just looking at at your
1: list of publications like you seem to have (laughs) like quite a few yeah, I have loads. And you know what? I always, you know, whenever anyone asks me this, I have to actually look at my own list. Um, I, uh, under her influence, will be my 20th novel. Wow. Yeah. And I, my first was released in March 2016. So since March
0: 2016, you yeah. wrote all these? or Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. You're like a writing machine.
1: Well, again, I think it's the practicality of it. I know that if I because the thing is, everyone writes in a different way. My way of doing it is that I spend sort of five to seven days really seriously plotting out what I want to happen in the book. So I probably by the end of that have between eight and twelve thousand words of Chapter one will be in this person's POV and these things will happen. Chapter two will be in this person's POV and these things happen all the way up to the end. So if I'm spending between five to seven days doing that, mm-hmm. then I know that if I write between a thousand and two thousand words a day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: every day for about two and a half months, I have a novel. Okay. So because I because I do it for a full time job, I can definitely sit down and do that. Um, if I was if I was a, a pantser rather than the plotter, um, okay. I think I'd really struggle. I think I wouldn't be able to to get half the half the writing out that I do. Yeah. But because I have that plan already, it's literally just sort of filling in the gaps
0: because
1: yeah. um, I know what's going to happen. I don't need to worry about when I get to chapter twelve. Oh well, what should happen now? They've done this thing. What should happen next? I already know because I've planned that. So I'm just kind of filling in the gaps of this sort of about ten thousand word document. So um,
0: Oh, sorry. Does it ever happen that like so you you've plotted out this whole book and then you get to chapter 12 and you think this is going to happen, but maybe your character decides to take over and
1: do something else. Has that ever occurred? Um, Occasionally, I wouldn't say my characters take over, but suddenly I think when you've been when you've been writing and you've been sort of thinking more about the story as you go, sometimes you get to a certain point in the story and you think, actually, this is a better idea. It could go in this direction. But I think whenever I've done that, it's been relatively minor and it's never been something that would then affect the entire rest of the story. It's just been, you know, rather than having a character come to a realisation on their own at home, maybe their best friend will come over and this this works better as a conversation between two people rather than some introspection, maybe something like that, or introducing a, a sort of new subplot that I think might weave in quite nicely. But... Never anything that's going to sort of drastically, well, thank goodness at the moment, never anything that's going to drastically change the rest of the novel. I think if it did happen and I thought the story would be better, then I would have to rip up what I'd done and start over. But, um, yeah, I mean, we hope we hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what what's been your hardest scene to write? Um I've written two mystery novels and I think probably the sort of summing up, there's always a big reveal in a mystery novel either, you know, so-and-so killed so-and-so or, you know, the bad guy is this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, ensuring it doesn't sound too cliche and making sure that it works and it's as natural and fluid as it can be. And I do spend a lot of time um, in just the two mystery novels I've written. I have spent quite a lot of time really making sure they're right because – I know from experience, if you're reading a a mystery novel or if you're watching a a drama and it all just seems a bit twee and cliche, that's the moment you turn it off or you close the book. So Mm -hmm. for me, that's the most important. But you want you want people to have thought it was worthwhile getting that far into the book. And actually, you know, you want them to have the payoff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you. So are you familiar with the TV show Line of Duty? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just love that show. And and um on the last season right now well season three I guess it is I don't know. and and all things are pointing in one direction but you know that's not reality right you know that's yeah. not where they're gonna go there's gonna be this big twist and um I I think that as a writer that would be really difficult to do because it's like. It, it's almost like I liken it to that you know you're you're plotting along, plotting along, and then all of a sudden, whoops, we're going over here. Um.
1: Yeah, and I think that's very difficult. I think a lot of TV shows lose their way. Um, I've, I've lost count of Harry TV shows that I really loved in Series 1. and Series 2, I went, oh, we're uh, doing yeah. this. And it's like they want to constantly up the ante. Yeah. And you think, yeah, but I loved Series 1. And you could just keep doing Series 1 forever. And I'd be really happy with that. But now suddenly we're in Series 2 and there's new characters and maybe a new location and there's been a plane crash and <laughs> half the cast have died. And they, well, why did we do that? Yeah. We really liked Series 1. Yeah, I thought that about Scandal, the TV show
0: Scandal. Like, I love yeah. that. But then... Like season after season, I was like, "This is just too much, too bizarre. No way." You yeah, know? they
1: they they kind of want to make it bigger and better every
0: time. Yeah. You are thinking,
1: "Oh, I, I wish you hadn't done that." And it's like they want to, and every and every, especially if something's been going for sort of seven seasons, every end of season they want to do something incredibly big. Yeah, and they do it, and then when they come back, they kind of you can see that they've gone. Ah, oh, shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Because yeah, you killed off this character, or you know, because. It's almost as if everything's got to be the biggest ever and you get to the end of the series, Series 3, and that's got to be the biggest ever. And then Series 4 just has to be ludicrous yeah. to beat Series 3. And you're thinking, <laughs> how far do you want to go with this? Yeah, you're right. You're right. There was
0: uh, I remember a, a show, maybe it was like ER uh, back in the 90s or something, and they took the show out of the ER. And I'm like, wait, the show's called ER.
1: Like, <laughs> but that's what they had to do to keep it going. It was yeah, ridiculous. Think, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I just think this show was great and you just needed the courage to let it die when it needed to go. You yeah. just, you know, it was a great show. You did a great job. Well done. And now it's over. Yeah. But sometimes they're just like, okay, we're going to change every character and the location. You're like, I'm watching a different show now. I'm <laughs> aware of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh So has there, has there been anything that you've read that, that makes you think differently about romance fiction or, or fiction, fiction in general? Um, You know, we, we hear, you know, about the tropes in romance and, um, anything change your mind about writing
1: or... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a huge reader. I wrote, I wrote a blog about this recently. Um, I'm autistic. So I actually struggle to, um, to sort of stick with with books. Ironically, I'm, I'm the only author I imagine that you'll ever meet who really does not enjoy reading at all. Um, and I don't really enjoy reading my own books, but editing is just a pain. Oh, yeah. um, it's, it's, well, it's a pain anyway. There's not a single author listening to this who's going, to, I enjoy uh-uh. Edison, but no. <laughs> I find it particularly hard because um, I just can't really focus too much. But I do, I do read a few things, and I was actually talking to my wife about this yesterday. Um, I, I, I love tropes. I know why we have tropes. I understand the science behind them. And sometimes I'll pick up a book and I'll start reading it, and in chapter one you'll meet a character – who you know is driving a sports car and someone goes she's going to have an accident in that car and you know it's going to happen and you literally you think well obviously she's going to have an accident and sure enough there you go chapter 23 she has the accident but it's almost joyful you go yeah because i knew that was coming and it's comforting that you think yeah that's that's what I expected there was no sudden like aha she didn't and we mentioned this for no reason uh-huh. whatsoever right right um yeah exactly and I think I think sometimes people veer away from tropes because they say oh we don't want to do tropes and I think you know you can reverse a trope and you can do certain things with it but one of the things about romance is there, there is a formula doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean it's predictable and it doesn't mean that it's um, it's boring in any way. You're expecting two characters to come together and fall in love. That's what a romance book is. Yeah. If they didn't, you, you'd want your money back. You'd be like, oh, right. that's not a romance book. <laughs> so, you know, the tropes that we have are ways of introducing that conflict or that resolution, one or the other or both. So we need those tropes and people enjoy them. People love picking this up and reading about a a really terrible woman working in an office and they go oh, this is an ice queen and they get excited about it and yeah. and people want that so i think for me um as much as i sometimes read a book and go oh, you know oh, she just felt a twinge in her heart she's obviously gonna have a heart condition and later on she's gonna be like <laughs> laying prone on the ground and they're gonna declare <laughs> their love and then i'm leafing through the book at speed going where is it Where is it? there it is and then i feel like yay <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you hate yourself for it but you also think yes well done because you got me that was exactly what you wanted <laughs> and and the other thing is
0: like you you as an author you can build the reader's anxiety because yeah. they're waiting and waiting and waiting for this to happen right um, yeah and I
1: think really I mean some people some people really don't get on with tropes and some people really don't get on with um, with breadcrumbs but you know what I think some authors, uh, very successful authors in our genre are masterful at not just leaving a breadcrumb, but throwing a loaf of bread at the side of your head <laughs> in chapter one, and you know what's going to happen. Yes. And some people don't like that, but you know what? I do think ninety-nine percent of people sit there like gleefully knowing what's going to happen, even and and just l- waiting for it. You you file it away at the back of your head. And you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming later on in the book. And then when it happens, you have that little pleasant moment where you go, yeah, I knew that was happening, but you still enjoy it anyway.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like playing matchmaker, you know, yeah, like, you yeah. know, it's happening, you see it happening. And then when it does happen, you're like all giddy, like, yeah, you know. Like, yeah, exactly. Know. Exactly. Yeah. It's
1: a comforting thing. And yeah, I think anyone who swears off tropes is, is, is missing the point behind them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you you've mentioned your spouse a couple of times so yeah. um does does she read your work um <laughs> and provide feedback to you
1: no she doesn't funnily enough because i she's a, she's an author as well um emma stunner radley she writes um she writes fantasy books um and because i'm not a big reader i you know i love her with all my heart and her books are great i've read like two of them um <laughs> i don't really read them and she start, She did start reading mine. She'd be like, oh, this is really good. Well done and blah, blah. And I was like, I know you're doing your own thing. You're working and, you know, you're trying to you're trying to write your own bu- books. You don't need to constantly read mine, especially, you know, when there was a year when I released, I don't know, I think I released six in a year one year. I was like, you don't have time. Wow. <laughs> so we both write and we both talk about the mechanics of writing and we both talk about um, quite boring. We talk about things about editing and things like that um but we don't actually read each other's work um and a lot of people find that very strange but I just think you know we're, we're both in completely different worlds and she's not necessarily a huge romance reader she's she's much more into the fantasy side of things and I am absolutely not if if there's a if there's a dragon in it or a magical forest I'm out so it's just it's it's not really going to work yeah I, I like those boundaries really yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important as well because you know we we both do the same thing. We both write, so mm-hmm. you know we, it, it's almost like we work. It's like we work together. But you know, you can. I think you know lots of spouses can work together, but would you want to share a desk? You know, it's okay. you get a bit too close, and you know you're you're like really in each other's pockets. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so did
1: did she support like this career change for you? Yeah, yeah, she um, she sort of basically said said that I had to do it um because I would I was I was going ah this book won't sell you know no one cares about it and and uh, the publisher picked it up and then they, they 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 you know started to market it and I got my first royalty statement and I was like yeah because the the thing about royalty statements is um if if you were to buy a book in January mm-hmm. um from Amazon let's say um, Amazon would pay the publisher maybe in in sort of March, okay. sort of end of March. And then if your royalty statements don't run for another three months, you're not going to get that for, you know, six months yeah. since the book came out. So when I got my first royalty statement, I was like, meh. And I filed it away and didn't think about it. I got my second royalty statement, which actually covered the period at which the book came out. And I was like, oh, <laughs> People bought it. I Didn't even didn't even really occur to me. I mean, I knew that people had bought it to a degree, but to that degree I had no idea. Um so then suddenly I was like talking to my wife and saying, you know what, some people could make a living from this and she's saying, Well, why why don't you make a living from this? I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose I could think and it took me a while to think about it, but she was constantly um sort of supporting me and and you know, she had faith in me and said I could do it and um I think that's prices because you don't you don't yeah. really get that from a publisher. A publisher will tell you you've written a good book, maybe, yeah. um, depending on the publisher, but they won't they won't sit there and go, God, you're great, write more books. You know, that's yeah. it's not their job. That's not what they're there for. So I think that was that was all down to Emma.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice. That's, and it's cool that you both are, are authors and, you know, do your own things at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. It really helps that we write in different genres. I mean, we did write in the same genre for a bit, and we co-wrote um, a novella once called Ice Cream Wars. Um, so yeah, we have we have written together, and it was a lovely experience. You know, some people say, "Oh, I co-wrote with my partner, and it was terrible." It's like, no, it was really nice, and it was really easy to write with her. And I've never co-written with anyone else, so I don't have anything to judge it on. But <laughs> it was it was good. And lots of people liked the novella, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, cool. But but, yeah, I think being in different genres really does help.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that one out. Ice cream's like my favorite food group.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, Emma's as well. I mean, she, <laughs> uh, we kind of suggested it. But we were on a panel um, at Elcon, uh, which was an event here in the UK, a little bit like her, GCLS. And um, Claire Lydon was hosting a panel that I was on. And I said, um, I said, ice queen. And she said, I thought you said ice cream. And then later on, we were talking to some readers, and they said, oh, you should write a story about an ice cream and ice cream. And then we were like, okay, yeah, we'll write it. <laughs>
0: so, oh, that's fun. I'm going to check yeah, that out.
1: Yeah, it was, it was just really good. And like, lots of people really enjoyed it, but it was sort of quite special for the, the readers that we'd spoken to, who basically brainstormed most of the story with us. So that was fun.
0: That is, that's great. So uh, you have mentioned that you crossed over and wrote a couple mysteries, right? Yeah. Um, so... Have you? Are you considering other genres, or sticking with romance? Uh, where are you at with? Oh, that?
1: I find I find um, I've enjoyed mystery. Um, I've I've published two mystery books, and the first one was actually my first self-published book, and it won the Lambda Award for lesbian mystery. Congratulations! My, thank you. That's uh, awesome. I I, uh, I was very stunned, very stunned by that because I was, you know it. You get nominated for something. and you think, oh, it's just so nice to be considered. And when I won, it didn't actually sink in. Because obviously I'm in the UK and I woke up in the morning and people were like, you won. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> when you weren't there and you didn't see anything, it's very strange. It wasn't the name uh, of that book? That's called Huntress. Okay. Huntress, um, which came out in 2017. As I say, that was my first self-published book. So yeah, I was very lucky and very blessed with that. But my... Um, my second mystery book, which was called Death Before Dessert, um, was actually not uh, recently a finalist for the Lambda. It didn't. It didn't win, but um, but yeah, like the one, the Lambda Awards just gone. So clearly, Lambda like my mysteries, but um, I find them quite tricky to write in comparison to romance. So yeah. I'm not sure if I write any more. Uh, I kind of feel you should go out on a high. I mean, if you've had one that's won a Lambda and one that's been nominated as a finalist, you should probably just stop and, <laughs> a, and go home. I
0: don't know. I would say that you you have something going there and maybe should continue.
1: Yeah, I, it's funny because uh, I, I had no intention of writing Death Before Dessert and I just suddenly had this idea of a sort of cosy British murder mystery. Uh, <laughs> my, my wife had been watching uh, some Agatha Christie things wow. and uh, – yeah. And I don't normally watch them. I think I've just been sat on the sofa, and it was just uh, coming into my brain by osmosis or something. And I suddenly thought this idea: and said, I'm going to write a mystery novel. Um, and it, awesome. it was it was fun to write, but they're much more difficult because the thing with romance is you've got it's more about character, and I really enjoy writing about character. And mystery books about plot, and because there's so many potential avenues, you do have to sort of come at it from many different uh points of view and you have to like test it to destruction because the last thing you want is the disaster of releasing a mystery book and people either guessing who did it or realizing the person you said who did it couldn't have possibly done it because that's something you've written in the book so they found a loophole yeah exactly i mean i I would absolutely hate that (laughs) yeah yeah. that's what good editors are for though right yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really blessed that um, when I self-published, I have a fantastic editor called Jessica Hatch. Um, and she she's really good. She's really good at sort of like guiding you along the path and sort of saying like, oh, I kind of thought about this. I thought that. And you know, I really enjoyed this bit. And she was really helpful, especially as a self-published author, you know, coming out for a publishing house and being self-published. It was really good to have that person you can trust Mm -hmm. um and now i'm with ball strokes books i'm in the same situation i have a i have an editor um who i i completely trust if she's if she says i think you should do this i know that she's she's got the skill set to to back that up and um i think that's really really important because i know i know a lot of authors who are also editors but that's not my skill set so i really do heavily rely on them
0: yeah yeah that's uh i think that would be tough to do both you know
1: yeah I do. So, how long have you been with Bold Strokes? Um, I signed up with Bold Strokes last August. Okay, so during the pandemic. Yeah, um, I'm quite impulsive, and I basically i sent um, i sent the submissions window an email, basically saying, "Hi, this is me. Let's have a chat." Um, I just wanted to know basically what they'd say because I was I published quite a few books on my own, um, and I was thinking about sort of progress in my career um and when you're self-published you do everything i mean you don't do everything you obviously outsource a lot of things but you still sort of bring a lot of like threads together Mm -hmm. um and for me i wanted to spend more time on craft i wanted to spend more time on the actual writing side of things and growing as an author and i knew the only way i could do that was to go with a publishing house and the only publishing house i would personally consider at that time was bold strokes Mm -hmm. um so I basically emailed and had a had a conversation with Radcliffe, um, liked what I heard, and 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 signed up. I think in sort of three weeks after. Uh, so it was a bit of an impulsive decision, <laughs> but um, sort of you know, laying, again, the practical side of me was you know looking at the finances and looking at how much time I spend doing things and how much more time I could have, and and about that sort of final point of you know. Working with an editor I really trust and someone who's going to help me grow and, and develop my craft, that was one of the key things I wanted. So it's worked out really well. And for an impulsive decision, it was it ended up really good.
0: Nice. Nice. See, it it you know, it's great to be a risk taker, right?
1: Yeah. And I think you've just, I mean, you know, just ask, you know, yeah. if you don't, if you don't ask, then you don't have the information to go on. At least if you've asked a question, you have some information yeah. to go on.
0: So did you actually submit? um, something through their submission process or just kind of chat about, you know, your book. Um,
1: well, I, I emailed and just sort of had a chat and, and basically said, um, you know, I basically asked if they would be interested in, um, working with me in the future or potentially, um, signing up the rights of some of my old work just to see, you know, what they said. Um, and Radcliffe came back and sort of said the terms of the contracts and so on, and actually asked if I had anything, um, that i was working on then any like new material mm-hmm. and just through sheer coincidence i'd literally just finished writing a book that i was about to self-publish my intention was that if Boldstroat's books had said yes i would have self-published that book self-published a christmas novel and then started uh 2020 no 2021 with them um but as it happened, um she wanted to see what i what I'd sort of finished, and that ended up becoming um detour to love, which was my first book that I released with with Bold strokes oh, cool. uh, back in february so it it was a it was a strange one because it, it it wasn't really the kind of book that I would have normally sent to bold strokes but um, but they, they liked it and they wanted to pick it up. And um, and then the Christmas book is actually that I was going to self-publish last Christmas. It's now going to be out with BSB at the end of this year. So it all worked out really well. So, you know, it was very fortuitous.
0: That's great. So I saw that you have two novels um, that are in the pre-order status with both books. Yes. So one was,
1: um, was it Flight SOA? Yeah, it's Flight SQA016, oh, and I, SQA. I, I regret calling it that because no one ever gets it right. <laughs> okay. All
0: right. What is SQA016
1: about? Is that just a flight number? It's just the flight number. Okay. Um, yeah, well, Flight was the first book I ever published. That was the book, that was the fan fiction that got picked up by the publisher first. Ah. So my contract ran for five years with my original publisher, or for publishing, they they, they ran for five years. Um. And basically, it's it fell out of a contract with Ilva and Ilva weren't going to do anything with it. So I had a conversation with Bold Strokes and said, look, I have the rights back for this book. Um, I could self-publish it again. Um, but would you like it? So um, they had a look at it and they said, yeah. So they've um, they've done some work on it. They've re-edited it. Um, we covered it. And it's also going to be an audio book. So and that's out like book- next month, right? Yeah, that's out in July, yeah. Okay. So I, I'm having a busy year with, with Bold Strokes. I had Detours Love come out in February, Under Her Influence comes out now. Flight comes out in July. Um, Protecting the Lady comes out in October. And then in December, I'll have a Christmas book called Humbug. So um, I can barely keep it straight in my own head, but yeah. <laughs> like you just did a great job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's five books in
1: one year. I think that's yeah, it's, better it's than... Five bu- one, one beating one three, radcliffe really. oh yeah but radcliffe's run an entire empire as well so you know yes. she's busy she
0: does like four
1: books a year i think yeah i think she does yeah oh, yeah wow,
0: that's fantastic
1: good for you thank you yeah i'm really i'm really pleased i'm really pleased for for flight to be with with bold strokes because it um it will keep it will keep the collection together um once once they're all Once they're all sort of moved over.
0: Um,
1: And yes, I say that comes out in July. The next one that's at pre-order is uh, Protecting the Lady, which comes out in October. Um, That's a story about a bodyguard who's retired. Um, There was a a stressful uh, job that she took on and it was um, it was it was quite a lot. So she decided to retire from the service and she moved to Japan her former boss says to her i need you to come back i need you to come back and do this one last job um it's really really well paid private work but i need you to come back and she debates it and eventually she goes back but there's one thing about this bodyguard and she's always always hated the aristocracy always hated them anyone to do with the royal family or anything she's she just thinks they're born with a silver spoon in their mouth and uh, she doesn't she doesn't really go on with them. So she's a bit annoyed when she gets back to the UK and finds out that the person that she's supposed to be protecting is uh, a lady, Lady Catherine, who who is under threat because her father is a high court judge and uh, one of the people who who he's imprisoned uh, basically is the wrong person and they've they've threatened Catherine's life. Um, So, yeah, that's out in October. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, again, that was just a sort of like... Quite often when I write a book, I just get one small idea, and I think, "Wouldn't it be funny if um, a bodyguard hated the aristocracy and had to look after someone who was a member of it?" And then suddenly, this comes up.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds like a great story. I can't wait for that one. Thank you. Yeah, so you have some good stuff coming out. Um, Let me let me see if I have this right. Uh, Under her influencer Uh, comes out tomorrow uh and and it came out june 1st with bold strokes uh right. flight sqa 016 comes out in july with bold strokes that's right uh protecting the lady comes out in october with bold strokes and humbug in december
1: yep yep and that's uh that's a a, a, a office romance with an ice cream i think uh is the best simple way to describe that, obviously with a huge Christmas flavour to it. Okay, I, I like the name. Yeah, I, um, I I actually designed the cover to that one for myself because um, cool. again, it was one of the ones that I was um, I was going to self-publish, and um, yeah, I, it sounds ridiculous. I really loved the way the font looked. I was like, I love this with a H and a B and a G. It just looked really good. So I actually said to, said to um, to Bowles so I was like, can we keep the name? Because I really like how the cover looks. And they went for it. Yeah, they were like, "Yeah, if you like Amanda, okay." <laughs>
0: oh, that's so awesome! Great. Mm. Sounds like things are really working out with your your new publisher.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. it was um, it was definitely the right move. I'm re- I'm very very glad to be with them.
0: Oh, good. That's that's good. I, I like happy endings.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you, they're they're practically legal requirement in uh, in romance. I know, right? I was that's reading. That. I was reading this book.
0: Uh, it was, uh, it was the latest Julie Cannon, right? Uh, mm. And, and I was like, darn you, Julie Cannon, because there wasn't a happy ending, but I just didn't wait long enough. That was the problem. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> my, my wife had that problem. She had a book where uh, the characters had an argument i don't know page 152 and uh someone someone reviewed it they gave her like a two-star review and they said oh there's just they the characters broke up and blah 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 and she looked on goodreads and she could see that they like he he stopped reading it page 152 they got back together at page 153 (laughs) (laughs) you just made it too convincing (laughs) oh
0: gosh wow that's great (laughs) so all right well uh amanda it has been great talking with you um Thank
1: you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for for inviting me. It's been wonderful. Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, that's all the time we have for today, folks. So I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks for joining Let's Talk About Books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty, and look for Amanda Radley's new books coming out like every other month. So (laughs) take care, folks.